Join us now for By Grace Alone, a ministry of the Antioch Presbyterian Church in Goldsboro. Pastor Kelly Buffalo. Good evening and welcome to By Grace Alone. I'm Pastor Kelly Buffalo and this is part of an outreach ministry of Antioch Presbyterian Church and we're located at 2306 Old Smithfield Road in the Rosewood part of Goldsboro. We'd love to have you come out and join us for worship sometime and please do. And when you do, shake my hand and let me know. We'll go ahead and go to the Word of God. We're still in the Epistle to the Romans. We're at Romans chapter 11 looking at verses 1 through 10. And this evening's message is titled, The Chosen Remnant. The Chosen Remnant. Romans chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. He said, I ask then, has God rejected his people? He says, by no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the child, tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, O oh Lord. We pray for understanding. Lord, grant us illumination by your Holy Spirit. Help us to see, O oh Lord, this uh, doctrine that we have before us, the very deep teachings here in your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my aunt, I have a couple of aunts, they're great aunts down in Texas where I'm originally from, and, and what they used to do, they used to make uh, quilts, and they would take different kinds of materials and different fabrics, and perhaps you have some relatives who, who still do this today, and it's, a, it's an admirable thing. I still have a quilt made by my Aunt Josephine. And we called her Aunt Jo, but she made this quilt. And, and also my Aunt Jenny, uh, both of them, uh, they would make quilts along with my grandma. But they would take whatever fabric they had, and, and they would go and they would cut a few, cut a couple of choice squares that they would uh, have out of the fabric. And then they would, they would take that and they would toss the remainder into the trash. Now, they would have saved these squares, and they would take you know, these chosen squares and put them in a basket, and they would hang on to them, hang on to them long enough until they had enough, and then they would go and fashion it into a beautiful quilt and make it as big as they wanted to make it. Now, nobody ever told my Aunt Jo or my grandma or my Aunt Jenny, nobody ever told them how many squares that they were to use in making their quilt. Nobody told them 
how big to make that quilt. I wouldn't dare do it either. They would make it as big and use as many squares as they wanted to, however they decided to. They chose the remnants of these materials that they had, used as many as they wanted, and the remainder they put aside and they disposed of as they desired to. Now we must understand as we approach our text that God has a purpose, He has a plan for everything that He does. And it will be accomplished by His own divine sovereign hand. He will cut and keep that which He has chosen, but the remainder He will put aside as He pleases. And so we will consider this topic tonight. We will consider this under these headings, the remnant kept by God, Secondly, the remnant chosen by God. And finally, a remnant protected by God. And we will approach this passage with reverence and fear, knowing that it is the Word of God. And we must hear and we must receive it. It's interesting we start talking about election or reprobation, that when it comes to choosing out the nation of Israel, Nobody has an issue with it. This is the, you know, God chose a nation of Israel out of all of the other nations of the whole world. He only chose this one to be his people, okay? And so he was able to do that. We don't have a problem with that. But when it's applied on the individual level, suddenly it bothers us. That God will exercise his sovereignty in choosing whom he will save and all that. So we have a real problem with that. But we must hear it as the word of God and we must respond to it as well. Now earlier, Paul had spoken the truth about that remnant of the Jews who would be saved. And he had to defend his heart concerning his own people, saying that his own heart beats, his own heart's desire for Israel is that they would be saved. He desired their salvation, not their destruction. He desired to see the great multitude converted to Christ. And so his heart beats for them. His heart breaks for them. And so he stressed that the gospel was to go forth to both Jews and Gentiles and that whoever believes will be saved, whether Jew or Gentile. And yet God chose to make Israel jealous because of their constant disobedience and rebellion by extending His grace to a people who didn't even seek after Him, by extending His grace to the Gentiles, as everybody else is not Jewish, to extend His grace to the Gentiles. So let, with that, let's consider our first point, which comes out of the first four verses. This is a remnant kept by God. Now, you remember, as I mentioned about the quilts, just as some of your own moms or your own grandmothers, they may have taken just a little bit of the fabric and took the fabric squares, and they took those fabric squares and placed them in a basket. They keep them until they're ready to make the quilt. So now, let's consider this. There were some, in our text, there were some who are still objecting to the gospel proclaimed by Paul. And Paul asked the question then himself. He says, has God rejected his people? Now, some were perplexed by the unbelief. They were confused by the apostasy of Israel. They were confused. Why are they not believing upon their own Messiah? Why are they turning away? Why are they in rebellion? And so they're confused about this unbelief of Israel. So what happened? Are they cast out? 
Did God abandon the Jews? Are they then without hope? And so Paul is addressing this. Even the very thought of this idea that God has cast out his people, the very thought of it is appalling to the Apostle Paul. And so he uses now the most emphatic expression of no that he can possibly muster up in the Greek language. He says, by no means, or in the King James, God forbid, or may it never be. Absolutely not. And so he uses a strong emphasis of no. No, God is not. And he doesn't just say no, he gives proof, he gives confirmation, and he gives a guarantee that God has not rejected his people. With the proof of it, in verse 1, he says, For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He essentially says, Look at me, I am a Jew, I am an Israelite, I am one of you, and I am saved, he says. And so he points to himself as proof that God has not completely abandoned Israel. And so Paul implies, if you remember as you read through the New Testament, Paul implies, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He says, hey, I persecuted the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was more unworthy of grace than all of my kinsmen. I attacked the church of Christ the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, completely unworthy of the grace of God. So Paul, Paul was more opposed to Christ and the gospel before his conversion than anyone of his day. The unbelief and apostasy was no more evident in Israel than it was seen in the life of Paul before he was converted. And yet he received mercy. He received mercy. Paul's own salvation is proof that God has not forsaken Israel. He has not forsaken his people. Every Jewish Christian, Messianic Jew, every Christian Jew that you see or know is visible proof that God has not forsaken Israel. Not only does Paul provide proof, but he gives confirmation. And again, he says very clearly, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Paul gives us a direct denial that God may have rejected Israel because he foreknew Israel, which is the strongest reason for the denial. So we have this confirmation, and then he gives us this guarantee. Now, we all love guarantees, whether you go out and buy a new TV set or if you go out and buy a car, you want the warranty. You want the guarantee. How long is it supposed to last? What are my options if something is wrong? We like guarantees. It's kind of inherent in our American nature now, it seems to be, but, but we love the guarantee. And so here, Paul gives us one as well. The word now we see in our text, the word foreknow, refers then to God's election or choice, his election of Israel as a people. God told Israel through the prophet Amos, he said this, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. God knew them. He chose them. Before Israel had done anything, good or bad, before they had done anything that they might qualify somehow, might qualify them to be chosen by God. 
Israel had been elected and loved and distinguished from all of the other nations on the, on the earth at the time. So how could then, how could God reject a people that He chose by His own grace? He has not rejected them. There is still hope even for a sinful nation as wicked as Israel. And yet, there is this remnant before us. There is this remnant taught through the epistle to the Romans, taught all the way through the Bible. This remnant, Paul now refers to Elijah. And you remember Elijah the prophet, Elijah, who was appealing to God against Israel. But notice, it is against Israel. The word again says, Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life against Israel. During the days of the wicked king Ahab and the, the prophets of God were attacked and killed and, and Jezebel threatened to do the same thing to Elijah the prophet. And so he fled to the wilderness and now he, he kind of goes in hiding and he moans. He moans for his impending doom. And so he's crying out and he's calling out against Israel to the Lord. And so Elijah is making an accusation against ungodly, apostatizing Israel. He basically, the idea is, look what they have done. Look what your people have done. They have killed your prophets, God. Look at what they have done. I'm the last, and they seek my life. They've all gone astray. They're all unworthy. They're all deserving of damnation. Wipe them out, God. Wipe them out. So Elijah feels defeated. He feels defeated. And so God gives Elijah comfort and correction at the same time. But Elijah receives this word from the Lord. God said, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Again, notice the emphasis here is on what God himself has done. God has kept a remnant. He has kept a remnant according to His own purposes and by His own power. Now, these 7,000 men, they are only a remnant, but they're God's remnant. God chose them. God kept them. They did not bow the knee to Baal. God has preserved them. God has caused them to persevere in faith, and He can cause you to persevere in faith all the way to the end as well. Which leads to our second point in verses 5 and 6. Here we see a remnant chosen by God. Look at verse 5 again. Paul says, So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. A remnant chosen by grace. Paul pointed to Elijah's day, and now he points to his own day. Even though the nation of Israel has apostatized from the Lord, yet there is a remnant, but only a remnant that God kept for himself. Now, we have to understand that as we're going through this, and God's dealing with the nation of Israel, even so he deals with the individual and the mass of fallen, unbelieving humanity. So remember the portrayal here, this picture that we see together. What's true of national Israel is true of the unbelieving world in our day as well. 
And so God has chosen this remnant and kept them for himself. God has not cast off Israel as his chosen people. This means that the salvation of a remnant from out of the great mass of fallen Israel is proof that the people of Israel has not been cast out. There is always a remnant chosen according to the election of grace, that principle of electing grace that God uses, whether or national Israel, the remnant that is saved out of the mass of fallen humanity, of sinful fallen humanity, God saves a remnant out of those as well. And they're called His people. They're called His people. God always saves a remnant. The remnant is a necessity because God loved, here in our text, God loved and elected Israel, this nation. So because of this, they are His people which he foreknew. The great Scottish theologian John Murray said this. He said that he should utterly cast them off as incompatible with electing love. It's incompatible with electing love. God kept a remnant out of unbelieving Israel. God chose a remnant by and according to his own grace. And so we have to understand that. Don't, don't worry about... Uh, it goes contrary to what I've always heard. We have to go by what does the Word of God say and teach. This remnant according to grace. Since God foreknew them, okay, and His foreknowledge, it cannot fail. His foreknowledge will not fail. There will always be a remnant. As it was in the days of Elijah, there was a remnant. As it was in the days of Paul the Apostle, there was a remnant, even as it is today. There is still a remnant according to grace. There is a remnant chosen by God. There is this remnant according to grace, God's grace, electing grace. And now Paul, he draws a distinction between apostatizing Israel and the believing remnant. He draws a distinction between, this, between these two by this principle, by this electing grace of God. And basically, since it is by God's grace, that means what? That it is not according to the will of man. If they were chosen by grace, then it's not according to anything in them that's worthy or deserving of it. If God were to look down the corridors of time and said, Oh, you did something that merits me to choose you in eternity past, then you're being saved by works, not according to to grace. That's contrary to grace. And since it's by God's grace is not according to anything that man has done, but according to grace. The Word of God says, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace would no longer be grace. And you might want to mark that in your Bible. Mark that in your text that we have before us. But grace is always unmerited. Grace is always undeserved. It cannot be earned. If it can be earned, it is not grace. If the will of man can accomplish it, it is not grace. Truly then, it is not of works, but of him who calleth. Either it comes from the sovereign will of God, or is not grace at all. Not grace at all. So be careful uh, the things that you believe and embrace. Make sure it is rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ according to the word. Why is it according to grace? Why grace? 
Why do we even need grace? Because sinful man will not believe. The unregenerate man will not believe. The unbeliever will not believe. They refuse to believe, and they reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those dead in sin will not repent. A dead man can't do anything. A dead man can't climb out of a casket. A dead man cannot do anything at all. They cannot defend themselves. They cannot believe. But the ungodly cannot do what is godly. They can't do the ultimate good, which is what? To repent and believe upon Christ. The dead and sin cannot, and they have no desire to, and their nature of who they are will not allow them to. He needs the grace of God. If they will have life, you need the grace of God. Who can earn the grace of God? No one can. No one can deserve it. No one can earn it. Who deserves the righteousness of God in Christ? No one deserves it. It must be grace and grace alone. Or there will be no forgiveness and no life. It must be by the grace of God and how we need this grace of God and Christ Jesus. If you will live, if you will have life, if you will have forgiveness of sins, it will be by grace through faith in Christ, which leads to our final point. Look at verses 7 through 10. Here we see a remnant protected by God. Here I read verse 7 particularly at this time. Verse 7, Paul says, What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. Oh, we don't like those words. God said, I will have mercy upon whom I have mercy, and I will harden whom I harden. We don't like this idea. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. It offends us. We, we don't like the idea. We like to be the captain of our own ship, the master of our own destiny. We don't like the idea that we must rely upon the grace of God for salvation. He must turn the hearts, or the heart will not be turned. But we are here we see in our text a remnant, though, that is protected by God. And it's a beautiful thing that God has chosen a remnant according to this principle of grace. For without grace, no one would be saved. But here we have a remnant kept by God, chosen by God, and yes, protected by God. All those who are in Christ Jesus. For the believer in Christ will endure all the way to the end. And what did Jesus say? He who endures to the end shall be saved. And Paul brings us to this conclusion with these words. He says, What then has God cast off His chosen people? And he says, No. But they are still apostate. They are still rebellious. They are still ungodly. Nevertheless, the remnant has been chosen and reserved for himself. The remnant has been cut out, if you will, and placed in the basket to make that divine quilt, if you will. So even out of the mass of fallen Israel, God will save his people. He will save a remnant, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the nation as a whole did not obtain it. Obtain what? Salvation. 
They did not obtain salvation. The nation did not attain the righteousness of God and Christ. They sought instead, if you read back earlier, they sought to establish their own righteousness apart from the righteousness of God. They rejected the righteousness of God and Christ. And so they hardened their own hearts against God. They hardened their hearts against their own Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the elect, the election, the elect individuals obtained it, obtained it by faith in Christ, obtained it by the electing grace of God, obtained the righteousness of Christ, the obtained salvation. Why? Because God protects his remnant. Good news for those in Christ, indeed. There is a difference that is made between those, uh, between the mass of Israel and the remnant. The distinction is made. There is a distinction made between those who are hardened and the elect. Because why are they hardened? I already quoted the one verse. The Lord will have mercy on whom he has mercy and hardens whom he wills. But here we read in our text, we're speaking of judicial hardening. Why are they hardened? The Lord already said in chapter uh, 10, at the end of that, he reread there again, he says, But of Israel, he says, All day long, all day long I've held up my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And so because of their unbelief, because of their disobedience, their own hardening of their own heart,